Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this morning. Uh, we're going to start off by singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And the song was written a very long time ago by a man named Charles Wesley. And uh, the story goes that he was walking to church uh, in London one day on Christmas morning. And he heard the church bells of London. And I just imagine as he, he's hearing those church bells, he's just beginning to think of what Christmas Day truly is. And and really just the story of Jesus. And, you know, sometimes we sing these songs and, and they're so familiar that we just sing along without ever stopping and pausing and thinking about the words. And so I just want to encourage you as we sing this out, just really pay attention and focus in on the words because it truly is uh, the heart of Christmas because it's the story of Jesus uh, coming down to earth. And so let's just uh, sing this out together and let's just worship together this morning.
so much, God, that we get to celebrate all that you are. Father, for when we declare joy to the world, it truly is, God, this unending joy and this peace that we just get to embrace and celebrate, God. So let that not be lost on us, Lord. God, we give you all honor, all glory, and all praise. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know. Maybe... <laughs> You fill in. <laughs> Second best. No. Of, oh, thank you. Well, um, I know what the announcements are, and we're going to do that together. We're going to take our tithes and offering at the next song, right? And I could probably pull one of you up here, and you could could do it. If you're a first-time guest with us today, we would love for you to go out to that little tree as you walk out the door and get a gift. And uh, we're just so excited that you're here. Okay, come on up, bud. Everybody give Buddy a hand. My bad, sorry. Okay, so I did first-time uh, guest and Todd, so Welcome, you take first it away, time guest. bud. Uh, yeah, um, I'm really glad y'all are here today. Did you do check-in on Facebook? No, okay, we were caught up. Uh, so uh, check-in on Facebook or your social media preference. It's not snowing out, okay? So just relax and enjoy yourself. And um, it may snow and it may not snow. Uh, so on your connection card today, you can fill that out. We're glad that uh, you're here and uh, we want to know you're here. So just everybody today, just put in your connection card just for the fun of it. How about that? That would be awesome. Okay, thank you for doing that. They're in your program. First time guest, we're glad you're here. I think Gay said she did that, so welcome. And uh, we want to see, it's got to keep going back there or I won't be able to keep up. Our Thanksgiving offering, that's what's next. Yes, give yourself a hand. We made our goal, $68,000. Isn't that awesome? Thank you so much. Gay uh, and I appreciate it, and our staff and our board, we appreciate your generosity. I knew we could do it. 
And I just knew it would just take a little time, uh, but that you guys would come through. And uh, we only need $4,000 more to top last year's. So that, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. And we, and we only need 32000 more to get 100000 <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much for your generosity. And uh, we've already started distributing that money, and it's really good to know that you guys, uh, I want you guys to feel good about the fact that God is using that money to change our world. And so we thank you for that. We have a membership class next Sunday at 9 o'clock. And if you come to 9 o'clock, why don't you just go to membership class and learn more about Salem Fields. If you've never been and um, you want to connect here, it's good to know what we stand for and what we believe in. And uh, don't just uh, keep coming here with your eyes closed, but have your eyes open to know exactly what we believe here at Salem Fields. Our Christmas project continues today, and that's our Christmas tree with the gifts for those in India, Nigeria, and local family. Uh, you guys really wiped that tree out last week, uh, but there are a few more, especially local. There's uh, needs there locally that there's ornaments on the tree. You just buy that gift, bring it in, unwrap, put it under the tree, and some child will have a better joy, will have joy and happiness at Christmas because you cared enough to give. There's a couple things left for India and Nigeria, and uh, Jody's really uh, excited about getting that mattress for some reason. And the mattress is quite expensive, so if we wanted to get some people to go together and get that mattress, uh, that would be awesome, uh, because um, I'm not sure. I've been in their house many times, and it's very lean in James and Charity's house, but I don't know whether they have a mattress and need a new one or not. But anyway, there's just a few gifts left for India. So we appreciate that generosity as well. Christmas festival is coming up Saturday, and uh, we need a few more volunteers, but what we need is for you to invite your friends and family and guests to come and be a part of that. It's going to be a great time, and you don't want to miss out on that. And if you want to serve an hour or two, there's sign-up sheets in the auditorium. Uh, Thursday the 22nd, no, I don't think it's the 22nd. What's the date? The 20th is uh, our, our um, it's called Candles, Carols, and Communion. In that order, there'll be, we're going to have candles and um, we're going to have, uh, sing traditional Christmas carols, just be a good evening of uh, just worship and a sacred time together and then we'll finish out the night uh, taking communion. We normally do a family communion that night where you come in and Gay and I serve you in your family communion, uh, but we want to change that up this year. So be sure to invite your friends. There are people that are really like that kind of service. It's a traditional reminder of Christmas and for many, many people that don't go to church. You know, we found that people that don't go to church really like the traditional part of Christmas, so invite them to be a part of that. Is that it? Oh, yeah, Christmas Eve. That's right. Don't forget Christmas Eve. Now, Christmas Eve here starts on the 23rd at 6 a or 6 p.m., and uh, we're just doing that because we felt like that there might be people that can't come on Christmas Eve, and so our Christmas Eve service will be on the 23rd and on the 24th at, uh, in the evening at 6 and 8, so be sure to invite your friends to that. It's, uh, they found that Christmas now these days are the, is the best outreach for the church Christmas Eve. Uh, it uh, even surpasses people that come on Easter Sunday now. Uh, so invite your friends. People are just waiting to find a place to go to church, and there's no better place to go than Salem Fields Community Church for East Christmas Eve, okay? Thank you.
that tender and sweet? It's just the best story, right? And uh, it's very, very simple, really. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, listen very carefully to this little illustration I'm going to give you, okay? Because you've got to pay attention to it. Okay, there was this man, and he had this continual problem with his bulging eyes and ringing in his ears and his flushed face. And so he went to the doctor, of course, and over a period of three years, the doctors began to diagnose what it was. And the first doctor said, uh, well, it's your tonsils. That's what's causing all of that. And so they ripped out his tonsils. Maybe rip isn't the word, but <laughs> that's what they did. And then, uh, so he went to another one. And uh, that didn't help. It didn't help. He still had this ringing in his ears and these bulging eyes and this flushed face. And so he went to the next doctor. And the next doctor uh, said, well, it's your appendix. We've got to take your appendix out. And so that's what they did, ripped his appendix out, probably not the word to use, but kind of in my view of <laughs> that. And, uh, but it didn't help. He still had these bulging eyes and this flush face and the whole, <laughs> John, <laughs> he's bulging his eyes at me. <laughs> and so it didn't work. And so he went, this is three year period. So he went to the next doctor and it's, well, it's your teeth. We got to rip out all your teeth and we got to pull all your teeth. So they pulled all of his teeth thinking that would help. And, uh, and he still had bulging eyes, flushed face and ringing in his ears. And so he went to the next doctor and he said, well, you're going to die. You've got six months to live. And so this guy said, well, there's, there's no hope for me. And he said, I might as well go out well. So he went to his tailor and he said, I want to order some suits. I want to order some shirts and I'm going to look good as I'm going out. I'm going to live it up. And so the tailor measured for his, his suits and for his shirt. And the tailor marked down 16 for the next size of his shirt. And he said, oh, no, no, no. I wear a 15. I've always worn a 15 neck collar. You, you know your neck. <laughs> and the, the tailor said, no, it's 16. And the man said, no, I know that it's 15. And the tailor says, well, you, if you come back with bulging eyes and flushed face and ringing in your ears, don't blame me. <laughs> Do you get it? Here's a good thought off of that. Sometimes the solutions to life's problems are simpler than we make them to be. It's really important that we get an accurate diagnosis, right? Because now this guy has no teeth, he has no appendix, and he has no whatever else the other one was. What was it? Tonsils. Yeah, tonsils. And he still had the problem. And it was a simple solution that he totally missed. Well, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes that sort of speaks to this, and it's this. God made mankind simple. Mankind's complex problems are of his own devising. What we don't realize a lot of times is that a lot of the problems in our life are things that we've actually misdiagnosed or that we've actually thought was one thing and it was really another and then we acted on that and it really didn't bring the solution that we really wanted. 
But God says that he has a simple solution to all of the complex problems that mankind has. Now, we've got a lot of complex problems in our world, don't we? We've got wars, we've got fires, we've got catastrophes, we've got poverty, we've got famines, we've got all kinds of problems, complex problems in our world. Now, people problems even go beyond that. People problems are tough, aren't they? They're very complex. Think of your problems your relationship problems, your not enough time problems, your financial problems. And if I said to you, well, there is really a simple solution to those complex problems, you'd say, yeah, right. You'd say, that's impossible. There aren't simple solutions. But the word clearly says that sometimes those problems are things that we bring on ourselves and we're missing the very simplicity of the solutions that God has for us. You see, God provided a simple solution for every complex problem that mankind has. And here it is, a savior, a savior. There it is, but it's so simple that we oftentimes are in danger of missing it. I mean, after all, a simple girl from a simple town who made a simple pledge to a simple man to live a simple life together forever, it is so plain that we almost, you know, last week when we did that little quiz, it showed us how much we add to this Christmas story that the Bible doesn't even talk about. We kind of add our own pieces to the story and create our own story and create our own solutions. And that's what we do as people. And, And yeah, it's a nice, sweet, little, tender story, but I'm not totally sure that that story really worked out sweet and tender. But there was a solution that God provided to all of mankind, and it's a simple solution. And it's a savior. See, it's so plain. And some say simple solutions, well, they don't work. And others say, well, this Christmas story, it's a nice legend, but it's not a solution to serious problems. Yet if we could look inside every human heart, there is this craving for hope. There's this longing to find someone or something that's going to make us feel better or make life better or it's, it's going to give us the kind of hope that we want. And so then we begin to pursue these things that we think are going to give us hope. And sometimes we miss out on the most simple solution for our life. You see, we humans, we create our own saviors, don't we? We create those things. You know, my car is a savior to me sometimes. Because just the other day, I said to Buddy, I said, we had this little intense discussion. I said, okay, I'm going to go ride in my car now and put the top down. And yes, it is 27 degrees, but I'm telling you, it's as exhilarating and it gets me back. My car saves me sometimes, you get it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
We all have something like that. We humans, we make, <laughs> I love that, when somebody sneezes and somebody else says, bless you, <laughs> we're, we're all together here. My, we, we create our own little saviors. It's what we do. And then we begin to go down that road and we let that thing give us hope and then at some point it lets us down and then we lose hope. And that's where depression comes in because depression is the beginning of losing hope. We don't have hope because inside every human heart is this longing to have hope in someone or something and we put that in our spouses or we put it in material things or we put it in our careers and then when that thing lets us down, we lose hope. But we still crave it and we still long for it and we still pursue it. So our question for us today, a couple of questions is, who is your savior? And where are you pursuing your hope? You see, God knew that we people were gonna have this kind of problem. Things that get in our way, that trip us up, that rob us and steal us of the kind of hope, the simple hope that he came to earth to give us. He knew that there would be things that would trip us up in attaining this rich and satisfying life. Hey guys, these are my friends right here. How you doing? You thought you'd sneak in, didn't you? Everybody give them a hand. <laughs> I love it. How you doing, Devin? How's swimming going? Good, you're welcome. <laughs> We're family here, right? <laughs> okay, are you back with me? Do you know what this problem is that mankind has that trips us up? C.S. Lewis calls it Turkish delight. Do you know what it is? Simple three-letter word, what is it? Nobody knows? Yes. We need to know that word. It's got I smack in the middle of it. Sin. And God knew that this problem that people had of making their own little saviors and getting off track was a problem. And he loved us so much, he didn't want us to have that problem. And so he said, I've got to find a solution. I've got to find a solution to that problem. You see, when C.S. Lewis calls it Turkish delight, I like that because it's like these tasty temptations that lure us away from God and to things of our own making. And every single one of us have that urge inside of us. We have these urges and we begin to, to, to not even think about those urges and automatically we just follow those urges and before you know it, that carrot has led us down a road that we've ended up in a place that we don't wanna be. It's Turkish delight. And this, thing called sin is a liar. It's a manipulator. It's a little voice in people's heads that they just fall for the lies and believe like I'm not good enough or that person is the reason for why I have to go through. All kinds of little voices that, little statements that the liar and the cheater and the manipulator will give us and we just fall for it. And we go down that road. It's called Sin, it trips us up. See, God knew that any solution 
that did not deal with that. Any diagnosis other than that was not going to give a good prognosis of a good outcome. And so he made it very simple for us. Very simple. You see, if the diagnosis isn't correct, the prognosis for a bright outcome is not going to be good. We saw that in that illustration. And so we've got to deal with the diagnosis of sin or we'll create even more complications because that's what we do. Anything that draws us away from God, that we aren't allowing that simple solution to be the solution to our complex problems, we're just digging ourselves in a deeper hole. And then we end up and say, well, how did I get here? Well, a lot of it is because you had the shovel. The Bible says that. You see, we like to get real sophisticated with what we believe, and we add all kinds of things to what we need to do with this gift that God has given us. And we do all kinds of things. And you see, that's why God's simple solution to deal with problems, that's why the stable matters. Because in it was the simple solution to all of mankind's problems. It was a savior, a savior. You see, it's, he's so often overlooked because he was an understated, vulnerable baby. And his name was Jesus. And Jesus means Jehovah saves. He came to save us. It's the simple person that was sent to save people from the problem of sin. It says so in Matthew. It says she will bring to she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And we love that little story, don't we? But we omit the next part that says because he will save his people from their sin. He cannot save us until we admit I am a sinful person. I tend to go down the road toward my own urges. We can never receive that gift until we can deal with this issue of sin. You see, God placed the simple solution to complex problems in a simple, stinky, cold, unlikely place. And if we're not careful, we'll miss it. So simple. We're in danger of missing it. So I want to give you three very simple thoughts. We're going to talk about those. And at the very end of the service, I would love for you to be able to leave here and know those three thoughts and just allow the Holy Spirit to brew those in you all week. So I'm going to ask you at the end of the service, so memorize these three thoughts, okay? Because if you don't get them correct, it will go on your permanent record and you'll have to answer for it right before you get into heaven. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay? The first simple thought, and they all begin with this Savior. Okay? This Savior is for everyone. This Savior is for everyone. See, last week, Buddy talked to us about the shepherds and how the shepherds were contacted by the angels, and they were out in the field. And you know what the shepherds did? They obediently responded. See, a lot of people say, I believe in God, but you do not believe in God until you show it with your action. 
Believing means that you step out, whether you're afraid, whether you think people are going to laugh at you, and that's exactly what these lowly, stinky people did. They were told that there was a, a Savior, and they were afraid. And you know what they did? They stepped out anyway. They stepped out anyway. But he talked to us about that. And it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. We've heard that so many times, but how does that apply to your life? Are you, if you say you believe in Jesus, are you stepping out? That shows that we believe. You see, the shepherds saw this lamb, and I love that. I was listening to Dr. David Jeremiah, and he was talking about, of course God would choose shepherds to be the first ones to receive this message because they knew all about lambs. And this was the lamb that was gonna be sacrificed for all of mankind. And so he, he gave this message to the shepherds, and, and they couldn't help but go out because in that day, people had all kinds of human saviors. I mean, it was, it was just all over the place. People would uh, look at this and that and the other as their savior. But, these, but when, when the shepherds saw this savior, they knew he was different. And when they experienced him, and when they truly believed, they couldn't help but tell other people what he'd done, for, what, what they had seen. And these lowly, fearful shepherds, they stepped out into their fear. They didn't make excuses and say, well, I don't know. You know, I don't think I'm qualified. Or I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really not such a great person. No. They put all of that aside and they stepped out into their fear. They embodied simplicity. And God knew this. They were considered the lowest of status, the lowest of low they couldn't, they couldn't read, they couldn't write. I mean, these people stunk. They were out in the fields all the time. This is who God entrusted with this message that we're still talking about today. The star did not summon religious leaders with all of this porked up knowledge or theological understanding, nor, nor did the heavenly host call kings and queens and, and princes out of their palaces. God chose simplicity. Shepherds. They had no impressive careers. They couldn't speak well. They didn't have proper grammar. They couldn't go to Facebook and get Grammarly and speak well. They didn't speak well. They couldn't even communicate well. Yet God entrusted them. They didn't have any cool clothes that they wore. In fact, their clothes were rags and tags, but God entrusted them. And you know why? To show simplicity, not sophistication, is necessary to have the solution to your complex problems. I love this. Uh, I'm quoting and it says, God puts his cookies on the bottom shelf. The sophisticated and the proud sometimes miss this truth. They look too high. You see, it's beneath them to stoop down and get the cookies off of the bottom shelf. And what happens is they miss what God freely offers to everybody. 
If it were any other way, people could boast, okay, this is what it takes to be a believer in God, and the Bible clearly speaks against that. If it required a high IQ and years of study, then only those people could congratulate themselves on how much more intelligent they were than others. That is not God's way. You see, he puts the cookies on the bottom shelf so that we have to stoop down to receive. You know what that means? That means it has to crucify our pride. God's not gonna do that for us. We get to choose whether we're gonna hold on to our pride or whether we're gonna stoop down and receive the solution, the simple solution to all of the world's problems. God chose the things, it says in 1 Corinthians, the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Do you guys get that? God's kingdom is totally upside down of the world's kingdom. What we tend to value in this world is not what God says is valuable. You are valuable because you are you. You are his creation. Not because of what you've accomplished. Your value does not lie in that. And those little voices, I think it's one of the greatest sins in our world today that people have an inaccurate view of who God made them to be. And we operate out of that. You see, through the choice of the shepherds, God showed his heart. And you know what his heart is? That all people are of value. All people. Everybody has value. Everybody has equal value. Priceless. So much that he gave his life. And when you're listening to those voices that say you're not very, you're not good enough, You're listening not to God who said, I love you, I created you, you have value. And that's the thing we need to confess. That's called sin. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to correct the way that we view ourselves because all people have value, including you. You see, he he chose that valuable gift, his gift of Jesus as a simple solution. And it's received through a simple, humble spirit. One that's not looking to the left or the right about what that person's gonna think of me. We have an audience of one. And when we begin to live to please God, we will love the people in our sphere of influence. You see, the beauty of the good news is that God's gift of this Savior is for everyone. That simplicity is so profound, so simple, that we stand in danger of missing it. So say the first one, this Savior is for everyone. Say it again, this Savior is for everyone. Okay, now I'm going to have you say something else. I have value. Yes. Second simple thought. 
This savior brings wholeness and stability. We live in a world of extremes. And yes, I realize when I put my top down and it's 27 degrees, that's pretty extreme. That's just extreme. That's part of what I love. <laughs> and we're a people that have these basic urges that hunger for satisfaction. And that hunger works its way out in our pursuits. Now, we've got lots of examples of this, and I personally think Black Friday is one of the greatest examples of, of this. And you can go online and you can find so many videos, but here's one. and go for it if you want to do that. It's just that you can find a lot of fights on YouTube of, of Black Friday. It's pretty extreme behavior, wouldn't you say? Sitting out all night long and waiting and waiting. Uh, man, I wish that energy would go on inside of homes. I think it could revolutionize our world. But I don't know. And I, honestly, I am not criticizing. I don't do Black Friday. Maybe you don't do Black Friday either. And we don't want to look at people that do Black Friday and criticize them because they're doing it. Every single one of us have urges within us that are drawn towards something that we want. It's just who we are. And what happens is those extremes cross a line into territory that harm us and harm others. And our responsibility as a believer is to know where that line is. And, and we really can't know where that line is. I mean, if I come in here one day and I have hypothermia and you're saying, Gay, you've got to stop driving with that top down in the winter, I think I would have to begin to consider maybe this is harming me. <laughs> or if you think that's harming me, I would love for you to bring that to me because we do need to operate together to help one another to know what's harmful to one another, right? But we all have that line that we tend to cross because we have these natural basic urges and they're okay. It's, it's okay to go shopping after uh, Thanksgiving. But what happens is we get to a point where we cross a line and we're harming others. And we're only giving into this urge, this Turkish delight that is taking us into territory that's just digging us a deeper hole. And this is the, these are the people that we are. I admit it. I hope that you can admit it. Because when we admit it, then we can allow God to do something about it, right? We're all in that boat together. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, what I do know is this season that we have can bring out those overindulgences with us. It can bring out these over-the-top over extremes. Now, I love Christmas lights, and has anybody gone to Richmond and seen the wacky Christmas light? Oh, man, you guys need to do that. It's a blast. I mean, it's unbelievable. The number of lights that, I mean, you can go for, it's, it's just amazing. Uh, here are a couple of examples. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty extreme, isn't it? And here's, here's another one. 
And quite honestly, I love driving around and, watch, and looking at these Christmas lights, but it's really extreme. And um, my, in my neighborhood, there's a house that has put more and more on, and it's very tastefully done, but wow, it is really extreme. And I get to drive by it every time I go home, and I look at it, and I say, wow. <laughs> I mean, that's extreme. <laughs> okay, here's another one. Here's a video that has been viewed three billion times. I mean, that's excessive, isn't it? And here it is. goes on and on and on and on. It's pretty catchy, isn't it? I saw a mommy shark right there. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Three billion now and two times because this is the second time I've done it here. <laughs> well, three because I viewed it to do it here. <laughs> That's pretty excessive, isn't it? I mean, the word gets out on something and everybody else says, I got to see that. I got to see that. And we, and we just get drawn into all kinds of things that we're viewing because everybody else is. It's excessive. We cross this line. The urge is okay. God placed that inside of us. But what happens to we humans is that we, we cross that line into extreme and overindulgence, and it begins to harm us, and it harms the people around us. And then uh, Toby gave me this picture last week. Little frou-frou. Uh, how about this one? See the little booties. And now some of you think that is just adorable. <laughs> so I won't say anything else. <laughs> Let me just say, there is nothing wrong with any of that. You guys get that? It, it can be fun. It can be fun. Marie, would you get those for your little Archie? <laughs> she just laughed. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> it can be fun. But you've got to understand that we humans do tend to stray into excessive pursuits and, and overrun simplicity. We stand in danger of missing the simple answer to all of mankind's problems because we just keep going and we just keep wanting more and we just keep wanting more. So last week I was standing in the lobby and I always love my conversations out there and uh, I was talking to a couple and they said, oh man, we just watched this documentary called The Minimalists. And I said, are you kidding me? Just that name tells me I'm doing a message next week on simplicity. So I watched the documentary. You can watch it. It's about these two guys, Josh and Ryan. And uh, they call themselves The Minimalists. Now, what it is is a documentary about important things and the American ideal that things bring happiness. Now, all of us in our heads would say, no, 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 we know that things don't bring happiness, but let's just watch ourselves through this holiday season. And we do tend to think that things bring happiness. And the purpose of this documentary was to show the virtue that less is more. 
You've heard that before, haven't you? I saw a commercial on TV that said, no, less is not more. More is more. But this documentary, (laughs) the world's gone haywire. But that's what this documentary was. And they said this. this, Here's the premise. They said, we live in the fog of automatic habitual behavior. And people are so much on the hunt that nothing ever satisfies. We get so wrapped up in the hunt that it's making us miserable and making the people around us miserable. So Josh and Ryan, what they did, they had the American dream, both of them. They had worked their way up in the corporate, climbed the corporate ladder. They had great jobs. They were making lots of money. They had every gadget that you can imagine. They had plenty of money, and they found that they were spending more money than they were actually earning, and they found that they were pretty miserable. And they found their cravings were in full gear. I mean, they, were, they, they realized this about themselves, and, but they felt very, very disconnected from people, and they felt restless, and they were always scratching for more. Didn't even realize it because it was this automatic thing that was going on inside of them. And they said they'd look at Instagram, they'd look at advertising, they'd look at Facebook, and they thought that this was the life that you're really supposed to attain. Because everybody's happy, aren't they? Everybody's happy in where they're going and what they're doing and those pictures of the food they're eating and all of that. Wow. And they bought into the idea that it gave the illusion that this is how life is supposed to look. And we stand in danger of that. And Josh and Ryan said, what's wrong with me? I have everything that I could possibly want. I've attained stuff but I'm really not happy. And so what they did was they got rid of it all. And except for 51 items, just 51 items, it was enough that they could carry on their back. And they just took off across the country. They eventually wrote a little book and they would stop to do book signings and every now and then they'd only have like one person that really wasn't catching on. And they said, we're just going to continue to pursue this because they were, finding some, they, were, they were finding some connection because everywhere they'd go, they'd say, well, I'm a hugger, so let's get a hug. And they began to develop these relationships and began to get connected in a, in a different kind of way. And what they did was they simplified to pursue connection and relationship. And they asked people, they talked to people, and they found that huge incomes were were not satisfying people. They found that winning the lottery didn't satisfy, but they found that everybody was looking for some kind of meaning in their life. That was at the core and at the root, and that the underlying discontent that they had was manifesting itself in stuff. We go buy more, don't we? Or we go on one more ride in our car, or we, you know, it, that underlying stuff, it manifests in the stuff we do. But there was this longing, this is among the people that they talked to, for simplicity and imagining life. Can you imagine life with less stress and, and less distractions and a life with more meaningful relationships? And this was their pursuit. And Ryan said, the one thing I really wish is that I would have spent more time with my mom. You see, what really matters, the pursuit of every human heart, 
Josh and Ryan went on a pursuit to find out what that was. And they found some answers for their life. And I would encourage you to watch that. They've got a podcast as well. Uh, the documentary is called The Minimalists, and it's on Netflix. You can watch that. But is the answer to be a minimalist? Not really. Not necessarily. You see, there's nothing wrong with consumption until we turn into a consumptive monster. And we humans do that. The Bible says this, it says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on, on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You catching that? Pretty simple, but there's a powerful solution right in there. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. And I want to call your attention, actually, Scripture speaks against both excessive materialism and asceticism, which is denying ourselves of pleasure. It speaks against both. That's not what God wants for our life. He wants to, uh, us to experience all that, that this, this world has. What he wants, though, is, is, is a life that's centered on him on the simple solution that will allow us to live an adventurous life but not cross over into territory that's going to harm ourselves and others. And everybody has to determine where that line is for you. The Bible's not going to give it to you. I'm not going to give it to you. Another human cannot give it to you. You have to do that as you work that out in your relationship with your Savior. Nobody can do that because it begins with a savior. You see, simplicity means freedom, wholeness, and stability. And only this the savior can offer. So this savior offers wholeness. Say that with me. This savior offers wholeness. Pretty simple, isn't it? Well, how do we get that wholeness? And that's our third simple thought. This Savior is to be worshipped. This Savior is to be worshipped with simple faith. And in Matthew it says, Upon finding the baby Jesus, they bowed down. They went for the cookies on the bottom shelf. And they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. <laughs> of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, worship is not only receiving what the Savior gives us, which is forgiveness of sin, a rich and satisfying life, not only receiving, but it's also giving him gifts. And what are the gifts that we give? Well, our life, pretty simple, our whole life. We give him financial gifts, as you did in our Thanksgiving offering. We give him gifts as well, but it's receiving and it's giving. It's giving him our praise. It's giving him our focus. It's giving him our thanksgiving. It's giving him the first of everything we have. 
You see, the Magi brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The shepherds gave him social media exposure, and we are to bring him the gift of our worship. Him and him alone. And our question is, what do you worship? Who do you worship? I began this message on Wednesday. That whole simple faith is such a, a, a part of this. And I turned the TV on. Of course, they named that the National Day of Mourning because it was the day that they were uh, memorializing George H.W. Bush. Now, get politics out of your mind. This is a man that was involved in public service, and he was remarkable. The things that he accomplished are remarkable. I mean, it's incredible what he accomplished in his public life. And they had a funeral for a dignitary, and it was beautiful. And I got so caught up in this, but the reason I got caught up in it is because I began to listen to the family. Because the, the family of anybody that sees the most intense, the most difficult, the ugliest parts of who we are, it's our family, right? And oftentimes we lose our family. But the family began to speak. And they reported on him that he was a remarkable person. They said that he was a man of simple faith and family. Jenna Bush, his, and I just watched a show last night. You can see that on Dateline or whatever. It was so fascinating because it was her grandfather, and she's a, she's a, a reporter. And, and Jenna Bush Hager got up, and she said this. She said, we are so proud of him, and we're grateful that we got to spend time together with him. This man was in public service, and he was the president, and he was the vice president, but his granddaughter is saying, I got to spend time with him. And every grandchild would say, I was his favorite. I, was, I had an aunt, and uh, I was her favorite. But, of course, I learned that everybody else was her favorite, too. But I, I, I really was. And that's exactly how his children, his grandchildren felt. That they were his favorite because he spent time with them. They said, I was his best friend. Every grandchild would say that. He made you want to be a better person. He was present. He was our hero. You see, uh, Jenna Bush said, she said, we know he was confident and ready. He said it on the day that he died. They had gathered around there and they were talking about the conversations that they had. And I went last night to visit someone who's right knocking on that door and assured that she knows Jesus Christ is her savior. And she had a beauty on her with her oxygen and her mouth open. She had a beauty on her face that was just about to step. This is gonna be the best day of her life because she's getting ready to step over and that's exactly what they reported about him. And he planned his own funeral and, and it, they said it was really funny because he said, do you think anyone will come? <laughs> and he wrote this letter in 1984 that said, listen to this, funny thing, when you get older, even if you had an exciting life surrounded by interesting people and have a chance to meet all the world leaders as he did, I mean, the pictures of him with world leaders. I mean, he was out there. But the report I was hearing was from his family and his relationships and his friendships. And he said in this letter, he said, it, the interesting people and have a chance to meet all the world leaders, even with all the, that, what counts is family, faith, and love. He didn't miss it. 
He didn't miss the simple truth. Call it minimalism. Call it simplistic. But when all is said and done, what really matters is God's simple solution for every complex problem you'll ever see. And it's so simple that in the middle of all of our conflicts, we miss it. A baby came to earth to save and to restore us from sin. And God loved us that much that he stepped out of splendor. He didn't have to do that. And he came to a stinky, ugly world. And he did that for us. Only to be crucified for us so that we could have a rich and satisfying life. Who is your savior? And where do you go for your hope? Who do you worship? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you made it very simple for us. And Father, my prayer is that we would just kind of hone in right on you right now and see you, Jesus, right in the center of that stinky, smelly stable because that's what really matters. And let me just say this morning while we're in the middle of prayer and the Spirit of the Lord is here and while your heads are bowed, very tender moment right now because the Holy Spirit is so alive and well. He may be speaking to your heart. You can tell that because it's kind of jumping up and down, fluttering, excited. He's speaking to you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, now's the time to do it. He is the answer for that complex problem that you have not been able to see your way through. He is the simple solution. And all you have to do is open the door of your heart and receive him in and say, Jesus, you can come into my life. I know that I have sinned. I know that I've gone in a direction that has not gone towards you. Will you receive me back? And he says, of course I will. Forgive me of my sin. Be my savior. Just like that. I know that's happened in someone's heart in this beautiful moment that we have here where the Holy Spirit is so very, very real speaking to hearts. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you have been my savior for so many years. You've seen me fall. You've seen me mess up. You've seen me say things that I shouldn't have said. But you've still been there for me, loving me, saving me, keeping me, leading me, teaching me. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Father, we love you. I love you. And we're going to praise you now, Father, for who you are in our lives.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now in Psalms it says one of the ways that we can give him worship is to come before him with thanksgiving and become, come before him with praise. And my desire is that we would have that kind of simple freedom here among us. We know each other pretty well. I mean, I can go to you and call your name. You know, I can call people out as they walk in late. <laughs> and so why not just pull out all the plugs in worshiping and praising him? Want to do that? And then I'm going to quiz you right afterwards, okay? Here we go. Let's stand together.
it makes no sense that a vulnerable little baby in a stinky, cold stable would be greater than sin. But he is. And that's where we need to be living. Okay. It all, they all three start with this Savior, okay? To put your notes down. Don't put them up there. Here we go. The first one. This Savior is everyone. Yes, and I love motions. So let's do that. This, you got three little. Okay, that's great. One more time. This Savior is for everyone. Oh, you're making me so happy up here. Okay, number two. This Savior offers Yes! Now, after that one, everybody go like that, okay? This Savior offers Oh, boy, you really convincing me here. One more time. This Savior offers holiness. Wholeness. Okay. And number three, this Savior is <laughs> Okay, that's it. We do woo afterwards, okay? This Savior is to be worshipped. Go in peace. <laughs> oh, God.